Hello. I want to welcome you to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll be encouraged listening to God's teachings. Our services are held Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We share an awesome worship experience here at Renton Christian Center. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's our message. How many of you remember when you graduated from high school? <laughs> Jody says, I don't remember when I graduated from high school. Okay, so what year? So I'm just going to point out a few people. And if you know me and I know you, I'm sorry already. <laughs> but if I don't know you, I'm not going to call on you. So you're in a great shape, okay? So Effie's, what year did you graduate high school? 1994? You're just a baby. 1994, Pastor Darrell, or should I say Mayor Darrell, 1965, you (laughs) Did I hear 18, is that when you graduated, Bob, 1865? Okay. Dana Buck. Oh, 76. Wow. So, Gordon, you know I'm going to call on you, right? So, Gordon, what year? 1963. Nice. Maxine wants me to call on her. 1961. Hey, do we have any 1950s graduate? Mom? My mom? Mom, what year were you, did you graduate? She's, she's a youngin. 1953. Gretchen? My other mom, 1949. Does anybody beat 1949? Oh, we have a couple in the house. And they are a couple. What years? 48 and 47. That's awesome. That is so good. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot. Someday it's going to be these guys, some crazy guy up front is going to be asking, and you're going to say that's when I graduated. I graduated in 1983, so 1983, yes, so, and I barely remember, yeah, yeah, anyways. We went out to ice cream afterwards. That's how hip we were. We went to Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor at South Center Mall, and it wasn't even Westfield. It's Farrell's back then, so. Anyways, it was a great time. Um, It is an exciting time, especially as a believer, because it's like chapters open and chapters close. And so this is a a closing chapter, but it's also an exciting. They're at the beginning of their book, right? And so we're just really excited. And part of it is we really want to honor them and let them know. And that none of them want to come up here this morning. Maybe one. Maybe Josh. No, no. None of them. We have seven graduated this year, and four of them could be here today. And so, um, and none of them want to come up. But I'm going to call them up because really what we want to do is we want to bless them, don't we? We want, we want to bless them. And we want them to know that they're a part of us. See, when I graduated from high school um, in my church, we had 13 graduates. And within a month and a half, there was only one that kept going to church. 
Because basically the church just said, well, we don't have a program for you, and you can't stay plugged into what you know. you got to come up with us old folks and hang out with us. And they all left. And many of them just left the church. And so that's just not our heartbeat, right? We want them to know that, hey, you belong here. You have a place here. And so I'm going to invite those four graduating, graduated seniors to come up. Come on. Come right up here. So one of the things we like to do is we invest in them. And so we do, you know, we do sell fireworks and we do have an auction uh, so we can invest in, these, in our students. Man, look how far back they stood. Okay, come, take one step forward. Okay. Okay. One more step forward. There you go. Good job. Um, so we invest in them. And one of the things that we do is we, we give them the word of God. And so we give them a life application Bible. And it's thick. Don't get too close because they might beat the truth into you. But... Um, <laughs> It's a thick Bible, um, but it's, it's a Bible that will help them for the rest of their days. The Bible says that it's a light for our path, and it's a place so we can see where we're going um, because Jesus illuminates that path when we stay plugged into him. And so we want to give these to them. So I'm just going to let our Vanna White. And we have really pretty ones for the girls and a really manly one for the guys. So, Yes. So, so I'm just going. I told him I was going to ask him two questions: um, their name, and uh, you know, and their plans for next fall. I'm McKenna, and in the fall, I'll be going to the University of Hawaii. I'm Rebecca, and I'm going to be going to Green River. I'm Josh, and I really don't really got any plans for the fall. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Brielle, and I'll be going to Green River. So how many of you know that we can make all the plans we want, but God always directs us? And so Amen. you guys are all in good place, good place. And then University of Hawaii, so free invitation to come and visit, right? Yeah, I mean, come on. That'd be awesome. Youth pastors, that's a must. You guys will have to send me to visit one of our students in case she's struggling in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Mission trip. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hey, can I ask you to extend your hands towards them? And we just want to pray a blessing. And, and I, here's the deal. I don't want you just to listen to me pray. I really want you to pray with me. Our God is so big, and he can handle all of us praying. So I just encourage you, would you just be praying a blessing over these four students? We had three more that couldn't be here today, but just specifically these three, four right now. And uh, Jesus, our prayer is that you would just continue to guide them and lead them as they hold your word in their hands. Um, Lord, I pray that they, my prayer is that they would wear these Bibles out, that they would be into them, they would read your word, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and would lead and guide them. Their plans, maybe, your plans for sure. We want your plans for their life, God. I pray that they'd be open to hear from you. And Lord, I also pray that you'd give them a confidence to step forward and know that you're there. You're there tomorrow already. You're leading them and you're guiding them. You're beside them, you're behind them. So Lord, we just thank you for your presence in their lives. We pray for more of you. 
And we, Lord, we pray, pray for a trust and a hope. And Lord, we pray against fear in Jesus' name. We pray against a wandering heart in Jesus' name. Pray, Lord, that they'd be focused on you. And Lord, that you'd protect them, that you'd, you'd literally cover them um, as they step out into these new places. And we're blessed to know them. We're blessed that they have a part here in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. 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 Good job. All right, graduates. Anyway, uh, I'm here to introduce uh, our friend Dana Buck. And the little story behind this is um, I get about four weeks of vacation a year, and I usually spend two of those weeks roofing just to kind of help out with the finances. So this past week was one of those weeks, and uh, it kicked my rear end. I'm telling you, it just beat me alive. It was a really hard week, and so... Um, it's Saturday now. We just finished a funeral here, memorial service for Gloria, and that, that was a long day. I got home, and I was just bushed, and I hadn't even started my sermon yet. And so um, I said, yeah, I can do this. I've done this a thousand times in the past. Step till two, whatever it takes. It's a whatever it takes kind of commitment we have. And so I'm just laying on the couch, and I'm just going, <laughs> I'm just, just kind of crying. You know, I just I could not muster the strength. And I remembered this little voice inside. Remember what Dana said? Hey, if you ever, just a last-minute notice, you ever need me to just jump in there, you just call me. And I'm going, ah, yeah, but I get paid for this. I don't have the right to just give my job. I have responsibilities, you know. Anyway, God said, just get over yourself. Just call him. <laughs> it was awesome. And, of course, he said yes. He kept his word. And um, the cool thing about it is he's, he's operating in the very thing I've been preaching on, that if we all walk in our gifts and we are exactly where we're supposed to be and we're doing what we're designed to do, the whole body thrives. And he said to me this morning, I was designed for these kinds of Sundays, Alex, so thank you for obeying and for asking me. So I just want to say thanks, Danny. You're awesome. Come on up here and share the word with us. See if I'm on. Oh, I am on. Hey, love you, man. You know, Alex, anybody that's ever gone, how many of you guys have gone on a mission trip with Alex? Raise your hand. Some of you guys have. Alex is a beast. <laughs> Alex doesn't know, <laughs> he doesn't know uh, the, his own limits. Alex did our roof two years ago at our house. We woke up one morning, he was sleeping on the roof. He'd stayed there all night. No, I'm kidding. No, Alex is a, yeah, he is, Alex is a worker. And I told, we were talking this morning, and I said, dude, man, we're getting older. We just can't do some of the things we used to do. He can't do some of the things he used to do. I can still do. <laughs> I was, when he texted me, I was cleaning my deck, and I'm, you know, spraying the, you know, that 30-second stuff that gets off all the junk? That's a miracle, by the way, if you never use that. It gets all the junk off. Spray, scrub, rinse, repeat till you go down the whole length of the thing. And I got done doing that, which is usually something I would do, and then go mow the lawn, and then go pull the weeds, and then this. And I got done doing that, and I said, yeah, I'm done. I went in the house. And <laughs> I was finished, so yeah. Uh, man, where's, where's uh, Kevin this morning? Is he still in here? Oh, there you are. Hey, I was sitting with your mama. That's pretty sweet on Father's Day. Um, so worship was awesome this morning, by the way. And we got, yeah, no practice this week because it was prayer and praise night Thursday. So that was uh, everybody just jumping up here. So, Kev, you do such a good job leading us all. And it's uh, really good. And it helps when you have somebody else 
singing a couple of the songs too, so that's really good. I've told you guys before that I grew up in a pretty traditional church. I won't tell you the denomination, but uh, <coughs> Lutheran. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, I mean, you'd come in and you'd open the book to page whatever and you'd read the liturgy and it never varied for all of the years I went there. And they had a, a board up here and it would have, I remember the, I remember the great hymnal controversy of 1968 and when the church introduced the green hymnal and everyone loved the red hymnal and so the compromise was you'd sing some hymns out of the green hymnal and some out of the red so not only did they put the hymn numbers up on the wall but a color code I'm not kidding a color code as to what hymnal and you're you know juggling three hymnals and you know whatever yeah it was crazy but yeah some of those some of those old hymns so I grew up with a mighty fortress is our God a bulwark never failing, you know, Martin Luther. Um, oh, gosh, what else? Well, the one I'm, I want to kind of talk about today um, is, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Anybody remember that one? Liveth. We just make up words when we write hymns. Liveth. Um, I know that my Redeemer liveth uh, because he lives, because he lives, because he lives. I, too, I, too, I, too, shall live. That's literally how it went, you guys. We'll break that out sometime and play it up here. Um, Redeemer. I have a bookmark at home that is one of those, maybe some of you guys have it too. I think Kevin gave it to all of us in, in Wildfire one time. It has all the names of Jesus on it, the things that he's called Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And one of those names is Redeemer. And when, I don't know about you guys, when you, so I look, kind of looked it up in my Bible and there's redemption and Redeemer and redeeming and there's just tons of verses in there all through New and Old Testament, there was almost more in the Old Testament than there were in the New, talking about the re that God was redeeming his people, that the sacrifices, the honest sacrifices of his people was their redemption. Um, so let me ask you guys a question. When you think of the word redeem, is there a certain place or business that pops into your head? Fred Myers. Fred Myers. Okay, I guess you can redeem a coupon. What else? What else? Blue chip stamps, these guys would never know what those are. Remember blue chip stamps? SNH green stamps? Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? When you redeem. I'll tell you what pops into my head, maybe it's just me. Pawn shop, right? So anybody, I mean, I'm not going to ask anybody. I've never pawned anything. I should do it just for the experience. Just go in there and pawn something and see what happens. Uh, but again, a pawn shop is when you go in and you take an item that has a certain value and that pawn broker will basically tell you for that wristwatch, for that ring, for that lawnmower, I mean, pawn shops are full of everything, I'll give you, you know, this much money, and then he gives you a little redemption slip, right? And the, uh, now that item is no longer yours. That item belongs to the pawn shop. The, the, the title has been transferred, and the only way that item can be redeemed from the pawn shop is if somebody pays the price, if nobody pays the price, it stays as the uh, property of the pawn shop. And eventually, there's an expiration of that slip, and the pawn shop owns it, and the pawn shop can sell it. So that's why when you go into pawn shop, stuff is for sale, um, as well as stuff is in there that is ready to be on sale because the redemption time is coming nigh. That's what I always think about when I think about that term, redeem. We went on a mission trip to Las Vegas a few years ago. I know that may sound weird to some of you, but we were, trust me, we weren't, you know, in the glamour, if there is a glamour area in Vegas, but we were in the home, we were doing a homeless ministry um, in a neighborhood where the addresses 
were printed in huge letters on the roofs of the buildings so the police helicopters could quickly find where they needed to go, if it tells you anything about that neighborhood. Uh, It was a rough neighborhood. Um, And one of the things we did when we were there amongst the awesome ministry we did with the homeless and so forth, but one day we said, hey, let's go find that pawn shop from that show Pawn Stars. It's in Las Vegas, and it's, you know, on Las Vegas Boulevard between the Strip and the downtown. And so we had some big old vans, and we jumped on our vans, and we drive. I mean, anybody watch Pawn Stars? Yeah, I love Pawn Stars. It's awesome. So we go down to the pawn shop, and it's tiny. It's like this half of the church. And it's funny, you go in there, and there's one of those velvet rope things, and you can't, like, go in there and mill around. You literally have to sort of follow the ropes and you just sort of see the stuff. All they sell in there now is T-shirts and beer coolers and stuff like that for the show. Um, but I did get my picture taken with Chum Lee, which was, you know, right. yeah, that was kind of fun. And so we went into the pawn shop and saw Pawn Stars and all that. So, yeah, that's, I think that's the only pawn shop I've, like, ever been in was that one on Pawn Stars. Um, and so you see on that show all the time people come in, and usually they're selling. But where, where pawn shops make their money is loans. People that are in trouble and, or need money quick, and so they pawn. And um, so when you think about Jesus as the redeemer, think about that image of a pawn shop, that possession uh, has been transferred, ownership has been transferred. Our sin, we were created to be in fellowship with the Lord. Um, our sin transferred that ownership, transferred the right to um, yeah, a not-so-good pawn shop where the right to us was owned. And the only thing that was ever going to redeem us from there was an innocent sacrifice, a sacrifice of purity. Um, and the bond, the wages of sin is what? Yeah. yeah, that's what redemption was going to be. Jesus is our redeemer because Jesus went to the cross and redeemed us. And it says, if you read the Bible, that when Jesus um, died and was buried, he went to hell and he redeemed the souls from hell and brought those souls out because now Satan no longer owned them. He had paid the price. And not only for the, for, but for the souls to come, those that would believe in his name would be redeemed. We're born into sin, but we don't have to live in that sin or die in that sin that we have a redeemer. And many times when we think about that word redeemer or being redeemed, we think about a person, right? Like I'm redeemed or you're redeemed. Um, I was just in Nashville and I was at the, uh, I, I didn't visit it this last time, but I love, anybody ever been to Nashville? Nashville's the funnest town. And Ryman Hall is in Nashville, and Ryman Hall is the old Grand old Opry. Now they have a brand new one, and it's fancy and schmancy and all that stuff, but Ryman is the old Grand old Opry. And you can go in there and take tours and, and see it. You just, man, all the photos on the wall of all the, you know, country western stars over the years that have played there. And Ryman Hall is actually named, I can't remember the guy's first name, but his name was Ryman. Um, So if you know anything about the city of Nashville, the Cumberland River runs right through Nashville. And Nashville was where the steamboats would stop. And so Nashville was a city that was built on shipping on the Cumberland River. And the steamboat captains and their crews were not exactly the most savory individuals to visit those towns. And so Nashville had a red light section that was like no other. And so when the ships would dock and the crews and the captains and so forth would take their liberties, um, Nashville was a pretty wild and wicked town. Ryman was one of those steamboat captains. In fact, Ryman was considered the worst of the worst steamboat captains. Well, one day in Nashville, a preacher came to town and he set up a tent revival down by the river. 
and started calling people into that tent and leading a revival. And all over the city in Nashville, the power of Christ was converting people. And they were leaving you know, their wicked ways and, and coming to Jesus. And this was happening all over the town. And so there was incredible pressure to close down the red light districts and all the things that were drawing people into, you know, into sin and bad behavior and so forth. Well, Ryman didn't like it, right? Because this was, hey, you're... And I think Ryman also owned a few of the houses of ill repute and stuff like that. So he was making a lot of money off the deal as well. And so the story goes that Ryman went out and cut a huge piece of firewood as a club. And he went to that tent meeting, and he was going to walk, march to the front. And everybody was afraid of the guy, because everybody knew him. He was going to march to the front of that tent revival. He was going to pull that preacher off the stage, and he was going to beat the life out of him. That was his plan. He bursts into the tent with his club, and the preacher is on stage preaching. And Ryman is frozen in the back. And the preacher keeps preaching, and the keep, preacher keeps preaching. Into the story is Ryman went up and gave his life to Jesus and became converted on that day that his intent was to beat that preacher to death. Ryman Hall is named for Ryman. I think he had something to do with the financing of it, and his life completely changed from a man of incredible evil to a man of incredible good. The power of redemption. Amen? The power of redemption. So I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times I like to kind of go deeper. And so, again, the power of redemption, you always think of God redeemed me, God redeemed you, God redeems people. That is so awesome. But did you know that God also redeems circumstances? That God also redeems choices? That God also redeems bad choices? That nothing is ever permanent in the economy of God, that we can make our own turn. God's desire may be for us to go left and we go right, but you know what? Even when we go right, his nurseries are new, what? Every morning, every day is that opportunity for God to even take our bad choices and redeem our bad choices and use them to his power and his glory. God is a God of redemption. Daily redemption, circumstantial redemption, relationship redemption. It's Father's Day today. Um, for so many people, my father's passed. Um, I love my dad with all my heart. Great guy. Um, I miss him every day. Um, and so for a lot of people, that is a, that's the imagery. Or, the, or your father's still here, or you're going to be a dad, or you just were a dad. Um, pretty dang cool. Or you're a grandfather, or you're going to be a grandfather. And all the stages in between, and there's so many gifts in that. But there are for some that that, that issue of family or father or relationship is broken. Um, it's, it's not quite whole. And sometimes I can feel a little hopeless and a little bit, um, when those relationships are asunder, how do we put that back together? So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, can I read you guys a story? Sure. All right, let me do that. Let me pull my, let me pull my chair up here um, and get comfortable, because you're comfortable. Um, this is a little story that I wrote, and I think it's appropriate for Father's Day. This story is called Grandpa's Gift. Black X's on a calendar march relentless towards a date that's been circled, colored, starred, highlighted, and deemed to celebrate. It's been a ritual for weeks, this month so studied and so scanned, with the passing days each noted by a boy's impatient hand. Hanging on the fridge, those X's form a steady line that lead directly to this morning. The last day Ryan will be nine. Tomorrow is his birthday, and he can hardly stand to wait. Have a party, open presents, blow out candles, eat some cake. 
everyone will be there. Come to sing and honor him, all his family, all his friends, and of course, his grandpa Jim. He's come to every celebration long as Ryan can remember. New Year's Eve, Thanksgiving, Easter, every Christmas in December. Ryan loves his grandpa Jim. Though at every celebration, the gifts he gives, well, they lack fun or much imagination. Last year, he opened school supplies, a pair of wool long johns. The year before, a lunchbox and two U.S. savings bonds. Ryan dreams about his presents, entertains excited whims. He can't wait to tear them open. Well, all except for Grandpa Jim's. Now, not far across town in a modest home, this morning will awaken with the smell of coffee, toast, and jam, two eggs, and crispy bacon. At a little kitchen table sits a man, gray-haired and slim, sips his coffee, reads his paper. Another day for Grandpa Jim. He finishes his breakfast, puts the dishes in the sink, and moves into his study, for he needs to sit and think. He settles in his favorite chair, and soon he's stumped and sighing, for he must choose a birthday gift to give his grandson, Ryan. He's seen the disappointed looks his grandson has displayed the last few birthdays he's been to, so he feels a bit dismayed. So many things to think about, and so many he's got wrong. So hard to live these last few years with his Madeline now gone. She would always choose the gifts they'd wrap up for the kids. He misses her so very much and all the things she did. He smiles just at the thought of her and speaks these words out loud. Well, Maddie, guess it's now my turn. I'll try and make you proud. A present really meaningful. It's not the price or wealth. Something that says you're special. And his eyes wander to a shelf. It's there he keeps his precious things, gifts from his dad and mom. Some photographs and medals from his time in Vietnam. A little fishing box contains his favorite lures and hooks, some postcards and a wristwatch sit beside a stack of books. And it's the books that catch his eye, that give him inspiration. He rises and lays hands upon one special publication. It's Treasure Island, he selects, his favorite as a boy. How nice if Ryan came to love this book I've so enjoyed. Long John Silver, Captain Flint, Jim Hawkins, Buried Treasure. I've read this book a dozen times and loved it without measure. I think this is the perfect gift. I'll wrap it carefully. Why, it feels like giving Ryan just a little piece of me. Well, back at Ryan's house, all the balloons have been inflated, the cake is done, the streamer's hung, a birthday sign's been painted, chairs and tables readied, hot dogs waiting to be grilled, and lots of paper towels on hand case anything is spilled. This party organized just like a military coup and arranged in perfect order till there's nothing left to do. And as the day turns into evening, like a mountain vast and steep, comes Ryan's greatest challenge. He must somehow fall asleep. Well, after agonizing effort, he accomplishes his aim. Now he dreams of action figures, baseball gloves, and video games. Meanwhile, in his study, Grandpa Jim prepares his gift. His beloved treasure island to his grandson he will shift. But before the book is bundled up in paper, tape, and bow, he writes down in the flyleaf words he wants the boy to know. 
And when he's satisfied, he's done the best that he is able. He wraps the book as Maddie smiles from a frame upon the table. The early rays of sunlight seek to pass the bedroom shade. Ryan's long been up and dressed. His room is clean. His bed is made. Breakfast passes quickly, and the house soon comes alive when finally the clock strikes noon and the birthday guests arrive. Hot dogs disappear. The day's in full swing party mode. A donkey gets a winning tail. A pinata spills its load. Candles are extinguished with a silent secret wish, and everyone has birthday cake with ice cream in a dish. Then at last arrives the moment Ryan's long been waiting for when they move into the living room filled with birthday gifts galore. Presents wrapped like royalty, their fate they can't avoid as paper, ribbons, bows, and bags are plundered and destroyed. Legos, board games, Star Wars sheets, a soccer ball and goal, a race car and a helicopter, both remote control, comic books, Batman and Thor, a football and a tee, a hockey stick and rollerblades, two dozen DVDs. Gift after gift emerging from a pile so tall and wide, admired for a moment, and then quickly set aside. The cavalcade of opulence surprises Grandpa Jim, and he wonders, will his grandson ever find the one from him? Till finally from the massive stack, a small flat gift is skimmed, the tag attached announcing that it comes from Grandpa Jim. Ryan smiles and then proceeds to quickly tear the paper, and Grandpa Jim's anticipation dissolves, just like a vapor. For though Ryan says a thank you as he holds the cherished book, his tone is forced and wooden, and there's that familiar birthday look. I loved that book when I was 10. I hope that you do too. I've written something special on the inside just for you. Ryan gets up from his chair, gives Grandpa Jim a hug, and as he grabs another gift, sets Treasure Island on the rug. The opening goes on and on, but Ryan never tarries till under all the birthday wrap, the novel now is buried. As the final gift emerges from a decorated box, it's quite anticlimactic being underwear and socks. <laughs> but Ryan doesn't mind it, for the hall is quite extensive. A couple may be duds, but most are awesome and expensive. The partygoers cheer and then begin to say goodbyes. Coats and gloves are being put on. Kids are calling home for rides. Grandpa Jim moves to the doorway, giving hugs to all his kin. Ryan hugs him back and says, Thanks for the story, Grandpa Jim. You're welcome, Ryan, and don't forget, your grandma loved you too. I think she would be pleased to know I gave that book to you. He said goodbye, walked to his car, and as he zipped his vest, he softly whispers, Madeline, I surely did my best. But no one heard these words he said except the stars and sky. He slips behind the wheel and makes his way home with a sigh. As Grandpa Jim drives through the night and Ryan takes a bath, Mom and Dad, exhausted, face the birthday aftermath. Paper plates and pop balloons, limp streamers gently flapping, leftover cake and dogs and drinks and tons of birthday wrapping. Mom starts in the kitchen, Ryan's dad picks up the trash, beginning with a pile of paper near the presents stash. He fills up seven garbage bags, which takes a little while. All the time, he never notices. Treasure Island's in that pile. Paper, boxes, ribbons, bags make up the refuse mix. 
with Grandpa's now forgotten book buried neatly in bag six. That precious gift of Grandpa's love and all it had to say now sits out on the sidewalk in tomorrow's garbage day. A frosty early morning gives the neighborhood a hug as wisps of aromatic steam rise from a travel coffee mug. Seated snugly in the cab of a battered gray machine, a man attempts to thwart the cold wrapped in a heavy coat and jeans. Glove-encumbered fingers grip a well-worn steering wheel. Like an overworked accordion, the brakes protest and squeal. The stops and goes are frequent. House by house, they long repeat as we recognize the trash man coming slowly down the street. He works with practiced rhythm, climbing in and climbing out, each movement so familiar as he accomplishes his route. The repetition of his task is like a chain with endless links. It occupies his body, leaving lots of time to think. His thoughts this chilly morning are all centered on a boy. Thoughts that are a mixture of keen sadness and great joy. Photos fill the Spartan cab on the dashboard and the visor where he placed them one by one like the treasure of a miser. The first is now a decade old, so faded and so worn, sent to him by his daughter shortly after Luke was born. Thereafter, each November, he'd receive one in the mail, the annual reminder of the family that he'd failed. The memories are disjointed, fractured, compromised, and mottled. He'd lost them when he'd slowly disappeared into a bottle. Though time and faith had healed him from the curse that he'd been under, the damage ran too deep, and his family still remained asunder. So the season comes again, just like a sad routine, the birthday of his grandson Luke, who he's never held or seen. He'd like to give a present just to say, I think of you, but his wallet's flat and empty and his rent is overdue. So his hope dissolves in silence like the flicking of an ash as he exits from the truck to empty someone else's trash. Now the mountain on the sidewalk is impressive in its scale, there's a mound of gleaming trash bags like a beached and bloated whale. Strong hands grab zip-tied plastic and his knees and back complain. He moves them two by two until a single bag remains. He nabs the lone survivor now to make this stop complete. Then the bottom of it fails and spills the contents in the street. He grits his teeth and bears them like an angry alligator. He'd like to swear, but he'd only have to ask forgiveness later. So for stalling the commitment of a sin, he must confess, he bends his tired body and he gathers up the mess. Then something hard and heavy at the bottom is discovered. It's a book, the title bearing Treasure Island on the cover. He pauses in his work and feels a warmth from head to toe as he's taken to a memory many, many years ago. His family had just moved into a house far out of town his mom and dad both working meant that no one was around. Treasure Island was his savior. He would read out on the lawn with his back against a tree until his loneliness was gone. He'd turn the yellowed pages till he'd finally reached the end, then flip back to page one and start the story all over again. He followed this routine just like a repetitious drummer and found his solace in that book, 
that long ago and lonely summer. He quickly finished picking up the spillage in the street, climbed in the cab and placed the book beside him on the seat. After many hours of work, he drove the truck back to the barn, clocked out and caught his bus with Treasure Island neath his arm. Then reaching his apartment, moving up the steps by twos, he hangs his heavy coat, puts away his battered shoes. This often lonely room now feels as if it's had a lift. He's so happy he can think that he can give Luke a birthday gift. But what to do for paper? He's no wrapping and no money. It's then he spies the folded and forgotten Sunday funnies. Beetle Bailey, Charlie Brown, Garfield, and Marmaduke brightly embrace this special present that he now intends for Luke. He pulls a piece of ribbon from around a box of candy and ties a bow where Doonesbury meets little orphan Annie. <laughs> and once the book is wrapped and tied, he makes a little card. He tries to write what's in his heart, but his words come slow and hard. There's so much he wants to tell him. There's so much he wants to say. But his efforts coldly stifled as regret gets in the way. After pausing many moments over that promise-laden note, to Luke with love from Grandpa were all the words he wrote. He eats a bite of dinner, just some stew right from the can, redons his coat and shoes, the birthday present in his hands, walks down to the corner where the bus stop can be found, and it's there he starts his journey to the other side of town. It takes some time to travel as three transfers are required to the final destination Treasure Island has inspired. His daughter's house seems tiny from his view across the street. Many nights he stood here watching where the light and shadows meet. He imagines all the life those walls could lovingly confide. In his mind it's so familiar, yet he's never been inside. He walks across the avenue where he's never walked before, and silently he leans the present up against the door. He pauses there a moment just to try to catch a voice. As he turns and walks away, his eyes are glistening and moist. He climbs back in the bus. The empty seats serve to remind him of what awaits him when he gets home as the doors swing closed behind him. The faint glow of a television casts uncertain light as a woman settles back to finally ease into the night. Dinner has been eaten. All the dishes have been done. This lone figure at the table doing homework is her son. She ignores the glowing screen and simply watches him instead. The way he holds his pencil, build, bends his elbow, tilts his head. Has it really been a decade? Is that birthday really here? So much life has come and gone. So many smiles, so many tears. It's never been too easy and she does the best she can. The birthday celebration, just a simple, modest plan, some pizza and a movie, and a trip to the arcade. Thank goodness for the timing, because tomorrow she gets paid. Luke never gives her trouble. She's never heard him once complain, yet a burden rests upon her like a heavy, heavy chain. To love him as a parent, she must be both mom and dad. She strives to build a home life like the one she never had. He'll never have to wake to angry voices in the hall or wonder if she's there or if she's coming home at all. She offers up a prayer that God will always keep and bless as Luke writes out an essay on the Gettysburg Address. 
A sound gains her attention and makes her quickly turn her head. Their cat is pawing at the door and is wanting to be fed. She gathers up to rise to get his bowl and pop a tin, but Luke is up before her. You just chill. I'll let him in. The cat careens into the room with an ungrateful feline hiss, while Luke exclaims as he looks down, Hey now, what is this? He kneels down in the doorway and retrieves a heavy object, sporting a funny bow and wrapped up in the Sunday comics. Luke pulls the card that tucks, that's tucked between the ribbon and the wrap. It says that it's from Grandpa, and he tears a gaping flap. His mother stands uneasy. This surprise is unexpected. Though he's tried to reconcile her father's efforts, she's rejected. She knows that he has changed and made a better, honest start, but she can't seem to forgive him, nor to open up her heart. But she sees the keen excitement showing in her child's face as he rips aside the paper in elation and in haste. And when the Sunday funnies lie in pieces on the floor, she sees a look of wonder that she's never seen before. Luke holds a sturdy book, sighs as if it's made of gold. She sees his treasure island spelled in letters big and bold. She remembers how her father once had talked about that book when she'd mixed up Long John Silver in her mind with Captain Hook. He laughed and shook his head, and then he took her by the hand and explains one Treasure Island and the other's Peter Pan. That memory overcomes her, takes her backwards to a time when her father was her hero, and her love was pure and blind. She is shaken from her reverie by Luke's impassioned voice. The book he holds is open, and his eyes read and rejoice. Grandpa's written something. It's inside here on this page. He carries the book to her, its cover creased and worn by age. She opens to the flyleaf, runs her fingers through Luke's hair, and slowly reads the words a steady hand has written there. This book is for my grandson, who I love with all my heart. May your life be filled with laughter, every blessed, joyous part. And please enjoy this story. There's adventure in each line. I hope it touches your life just as much as it has mine. So have a happy birthday, and may God your dreams fulfill, and know your grandpa loves you, and I always, always will. Her eyes grow bright and glistening, and her hand moves to her throat. Ryan's just ecstatic at the words his grandpa wrote. And so, she doesn't tell him. She suspects he'll never look at the difference in the handwriting between the note card and the book. But somehow it doesn't matter, for she finds somehow she knows if he'd pinned the words there written, he would have chosen those. Her heart so cold and empty when she thought about her dad now held a tiny ember, and that ember made her glad. Handing Luke his present, he sits down to read alone as she rummages through the address book and then picks up the phone. She hears the distant ringing and then his voice, and this felt right. Hi, Dad. It's me, Melinda. Are you free tomorrow night? Epilogue. A gentle rain is falling, makes the roadway gleam and shine. Windshield wipers beat and seem to mark the passing time. A man drives on alone, the seatbelt next to him is slack, 
and passing headlights shine upon empty car seats in the back. This commute so like a ritual, the turns so automatic, the road signs all are memorized like heirlooms in an attic. The time to come is precious, so important, dear to him, as Ryan travels through the night to visit Grandpa Jim. The years have passed so quickly, youthful minds don't comprehend that life is full of seasons, and each season has its end. The things you take for granted come and go just like a whim. So it is with people, and so it is with Grandpa Jim. The gift that is his grandfather he's never fully grasped. Past days are bagged and buried like decorations in the trash. They can't be resurrected, but they can be newly won. The days that we regret can make so sweet the days to come. For time brings understanding when the pieces seem to fit, when the fires of keen discernment and maturity are lit. And so it was for Ryan as he aged and as he grew and came to know the greatest gift that he ever knew. When Ryan became married, loved a woman to his core, he understood the meaning of the ring that Grandpa wore. When he became a father, newfound love began to reach him, casting light upon the lessons Grandpa Jim had tried to teach him. That family is a present, wrapped up for the ones we know. Treasured moments are the ribbon, and our memories are the bow. So he drives on through the night, ignores the stubborn urge to sleep, for in a window waits a silhouette, and he has promises to keep. A parking lot half empty yields a close inviting space. His car between the lines feels like a welcoming embrace. He greets attending nurses, signs the registration book. He's waiting for your visit over in the breakfast nook. Ryan smiles and says a thank you. He's so sweet when you come by, insisting that we help him dress up in a coat and tie. Moving down the hallway, Ryan knows he'll find him there, sweetly looking out the window, sitting in his favorite chair. The smile that he receives, the hearty hug that he has given, is worth ten times the hours and all the miles that he has driven. Settling near his grandpa, splendid in his suit and cap, his right hand holds his tea, his left hand rigid in his lap. The stroke that took his speech that manifested last July is routed and defeated by the pleasure in his eyes. Ryan brought him fresh-baked cookies and new frame photos of the girls, and one more thing to share as their now sacred time unfurls. Crossing legs and donning glasses under a warm, expectant look, Ryan smiles and nods to Grandpa as he opens up a book. So our story comes full circle, and no part is left undone. Are you ready, Grandpa Jim? Treasure Island, Chapter 1. I think if I said any more, it would just wreck it. So let's just pray. <laughs> Lord God, you are a redeemer. Thank you that you redeemed us. You, uh, you bought us with a price. And you didn't just buy us as a slave. You adopted us. You make us princes and princesses because you say that we're children of the king. And that's what you offer us. We thank you for that. But God, you didn't stop there. You redeem our circumstances. You redeem our decisions. 
You redeem our choices. You redeem our relationships. God, we recognize you and celebrate you as Redeemer. Um, and would ask, Lord, those places that may seem broken, uh, that we may regret, that we may have pushed off into the recesses of our mind or our memory or are sitting right in front of us, um, plaguing us and mocking us. God, your mercies are new every day, every day. So God, may you be the redeemer for each of us today in our lives. God, as we celebrate Father's Day with grandparents or parents or if we, or parents-to-be, or if we fondly remember those that have gone home to be with you, whatever it may be, God, may you be in our midst. May we celebrate all the gifts that you give us every day because I know that my Redeemer liveth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.